Melbourne AA Steps Weekend 2008. This is Jen talking about Step 3. Hi, my name is Jen and I'm an alcoholic. Hi, Jen. So Step 3 made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Uh, my alcoholic story uh, started when I was probably about 16 years of age, um, drinking and making bad decisions, ended up in my first car accident. Um, that was at the age of 16. At the age of 19, my drinking took me to places that I could never have imagined. Um, I lived on campus at a college, at university, and. Um, it was pretty normal to, you know, I guess binge drink. And um, at the age of 19, I was uh, out binge drinking in the city and um, in a blackout walked out in front of a car and was hit. Um, and this continued on through my 20s. Um, you know, I guess I'm uh, very lucky to be standing here with all my arms and my legs and, um, and I guess... My brain, it still works, thank goodness. Um, yeah, so I guess the uh, drink took me to places that I could never have imagined. I was a, uh, had fairly senior roles um, in my work career and a lot of them involved risk management and health and safety and, you know, I was very, very serious about that. I took that stuff really seriously. But in my outside life, I took the most craziest risks you could ever possibly imagine. And to me, I was just totally baffled why I was polarised, really. You know, one side of it, I was very serious about risk, and the other side, I would go out and drink on my own in a bar. Um, you know, I guess <clears throat> taking that chance of perhaps being hit by a car again, um, yeah, drink just, you know, waking up in places where I didn't know where I was, I don't know how I got there, I didn't know the people I was with. Um, going home with strange people. Um, all this, you know, alcohol took me into all these places. Anyway, um, I guess um, I came to the program when I was 34 years, age, 34 years of age. Um, I remember probably about five years earlier taking that first drink. I was a binge drinker and I remember taking that first drink about five years earlier where I was drinking on my own consciously. And I remember thinking, um, I'm not an alcoholic if I do this. Um, and I can't even remember now how I justified that to myself. Um, and although I never was a, a daily drinker, um, I certainly was heading that way. Um, and I was drinking an awful lot, so the depression got really, really bad. And at one point, after another hospitalisation, and uh, the nurse telling me that she couldn't believe I wasn't dead because of the amount of alcohol in my system, um, I decided to give up drinking for a year, which I did. Uh, and a lot of people around me said, oh, you'll be able to drink again. And I didn't understand or know about alcoholism. I just thought I had a bit of a drinking problem. So. The people around me sort of suggested that, you know, maybe a bit of time off. Um, my drinking may, you know, have improved or got better somehow. So eventually I did uh, start drinking again and it started out pretty slowly. One or two drinks here and there. Um, 
but you know within a month or two I was back to drinking very heavily again um, in copious amounts dangerous amounts and you know the usual blackouts so um, one night I was in my bed in the safety of my home in the safety of my bed reading a book and I read uh, my favorite author's alcoholic story in a, a selection of her short stories um, and I'd read probably about five of her books beforehand, not knowing that she was an alcoholic. And when I read her story and I thought, she is a really cool person and her story is my story. And then I guess the tears came and that was my first level of surrendering of me coming to the realisation and some sort of level of acceptance that I was an alcoholic and I had to do something about it. And I knew from reading her books that um, you can't do it on your own and you needed support. Um, so I knew that I had to go to AA. Even though I, I didn't really know what happened at AA, I just knew that if you're an alcoholic, that's where you had to go. So didn't tell anyone about it, just took myself off to AA. And um, so I guess that was on 26th of July, 2006. Um, and I arrived at AA and um, it's interesting, kind of really didn't know what to expect and I saw the word God up on the banner and I thought, oh, not that God thing again and um, felt uneasy about that. Um, but, you know, I'd, I'd found my salvation. Um, when I came through those doors and I was crying, I cried for the first six months, but, you know, I was welcomed with open arms. I was given a hug on my first night um, and I felt like I was at home. I was in the right place. I was sitting around with a bunch of strangers who had my story. So I guess the journey, the journey for me from there um, and in relation to handing my will and my life over to a, a, um, God as I understand him. Um, in hindsight, I... When I look back on my drinking days, um, I feel like I had my back turned to God um, or my higher power. And I, you know, I was lucky. I, uh, I had the opportunity to have spirituality through religion in, in my life, um, all through my life. So growing up and through schools and things. So, um, but in my 20s, you know, I had this wild, crazy behaviour and I certainly didn't think God would really like it, so it was just easier to turn my back on him. And, um, yeah, so in the first month or so, I guess I really, uh, through, I guess, the advice of my sponsor is not to worry so much about the God thing to start with and perhaps just, you know, make sure I'm identifying with the stories and, you know, um, and that sort of stuff. So, But I did start on the steps fairly early in my sobriety to maybe my second month um, and then, you know, I was ready to have a look at this God thing again and um, and so I brought um, a higher power or my God of my childhood back into my life. Um, I really struggled with the, the surrendering. Um, I certainly say, I would certainly say that um, I'm not an expert at it. And when I first read it, I thought, um, okay, I've done that step, I can tick it off and move on with the rest of my life. Um, and I think, you know, I was pretty fuzzy when I came in, so I didn't realise that that's something actually I need to practise every day and in all the different situations in my life. Um, and as time went on, I quickly learnt 
um, about all the areas that I needed to start surrendering to God. Otherwise, I just I just couldn't cope. Um, so within uh, the first, uh, after four months being sober, my grandmother died. Um, and for someone that had absolutely, I had no emotional maturity at all. Um, I, you know, I didn't know how to handle things. You know, four months in, I was able to sit with my grandmother for the week, um, I guess, leading up to her death and hold her hand and say the rosary with her and support her. Um, if I was drinking, I never would have been able to do that. Um, but I still, at that stage, didn't quite get what the God thing is. You know, I'm from a sporting background, so the way I learn things, I'm very visual and I like to know what it feels like to do things. And I was thinking, well, I don't know what, it, how should I feel when I'm surrendering? What, what should it feel like? And um, so one night I called one of my friends who is, she's not in the program, and I was telling her how I was really struggling with this surrendering or handing over my will and my life, and um, she wasn't very much help. <laughs> And um, I read a couple of, you know, I read a couple of books and I still couldn't find it. And I just got up from my couch and I remember saying, and I live on my own, but I remember talking to God out loud and saying, God, can you just give me the answer? <laughs> and I thought, oh, stuff it, I'm going to bed. And so I went off to bed and beside my bed I have the uh, daily reflections. And um, on this is no joke, on that date um, it had the handing over uh, a handing over story, which is um, a woman was really struggling with some of her steps, and um, and she walked outside. She was in the mountains, and she walked outside, and she was looking up at the sky, and she saw an eagle flying, and she saw the eagle giving itself, I guess, to the the um, the airflow and the currents of the air, which are totally invisible. And then she realised that um, that is, I guess one of the best examples of surrendering and also freedom. So they come hand in hand. And when I read that, I looked at it and I thought, nah, that's not it. <laughs> <laughs> and then I was like, come on, Jen, this is, you know, you've been shown the answer. And, um, yeah, so I love that. <laughs> I love that story. And I love my little bit of doubt as well. Um, there are so many things that I've learnt to surrender and I'm definitely no expert at it, but in all areas of my life, I've had to uh, practice the surrendering thing um, with money. When I came into the program, I just finished working on a massive project that had ended and um, so I didn't have any work at that time, so I was sort of in between jobs and, um, you know, it was really lucky. I got to look after my sister's kids a couple of days a week, and they just—they were just little girls. So that was really beautiful, and I feel really blessed that I was able to take that time to put my sobriety first, and then during my days have the little people, you know, that live in the present moment in my life. Um, Money-wise, somehow I was able to pay my rent and my bills, and I just made it every month. You know, I'd be down to the last cent, but somehow, miraculously, I was looked after. Um, in relation to work, I had applied for jobs which, which I didn't get, but um, the jobs I did get were through friends and contacts who wanted to employ me, so um, and they, I tell people about the depression because it's not as bad as alcoholism and uh, you know when I had one worse than depression, I could tell everyone about depression. Um, so he knew I'd been suffering from depression, I think um, 
he felt a bit sorry for me and but he knew that I was a good worker and so he got me he got me some work and um, one of the biggest struggles with that is um, I've done I've got a lot of education and I've worked in fairly senior roles and this ego was coming out all the time saying I'm so much better than this job I used to earn double the amount of money and um, and I knew that that was ego um, and I knew that I had to surrender that um, or I wouldn't last in that job I drive everyone crazy so and that's been happening probably for the so for the last year our boat was doing that role um, it also gave me the opportunity to help a lot of other people which was really great so um, but I had to work on that ego thing nearly every single day um, and you know it's finally now working on that every single day it's brought me into a, a totally different um, I guess my reality is so different to what it used to be I don't need to be the best I don't need to be the most educated um, I don't need to be doing the most fancy job earning the most money um, which is you know that's a 360 or 180 turn for me um, with my family surrender oh. I'm one of seven children. Uh, we're very close in age, and um, you know, with all of the the issues that come up with with family dynamics and um, watching family other family members struggle a little bit with alcohol, um, as well. You know, I wanted to get in there and fix them, and you know, make it all better, and tell them what they should be doing, and doing a bit of the doing a bit of preaching, and um, and that's as most of you know that's probably not the best way to go about it um, <laughs> with the guidance of my sponsor um, and friends it you know I had to hand that over I can't control that situation so that was a handing over and one of the ways I'm a very visual person and one of the ways that I hand handed the family stuff over was um, uh, putting it on a silver platter and walking up to my vision of my God for that week or whatever he he looked like I guess it's a he for me um, and handing him the silver platter with all my family issues on it and um, you know that was the way that I felt like I was giving it away um, and sometimes I'd have to do that two or three times because I'd hand it over and then I'd be sitting and thinking dwelling chewing on it and um, and then I'd be like no you have to do that little meditation again and, and hand it over so um, helping other alcoholics, I have to hand it over. Um, my tendency is to hold on to everything so tightly and try and control it, and I can see the outcomes that I want for other people. And um, you know, I guess it's understanding, and I guess the humbling part of it is understanding that you know it's not it's not about me and what I want. Um, so that's been. Also, with the help of my sponsor, is being just being reminded that I need to let that go um, and let God. So, um, through meditation, that's been a really beautiful way for me to be able to hand over. And again, I do visualizations where, um, depending on what my God looks like that particular week, um, I might my surrender may may be lying with my head on God's lap. Um, and just letting go and saying, I don't know all the answers and it's too hard, you know, can you help me? Um, and guaranteed, those might sound a bit strange to people, but guaranteed when I get up from those meditations, I feel so much better. Um, I just feel, I guess the words for me are relief, um, letting go, 
and accepting that I can't actually control the world. Um, also another time when I uh, use the handing over my will in my life is uh, when, I'm, when I'm at home by myself. Um, and in my later stages of drinking, I only drank at home because I was such a fall-down drunk. I was so accident-prone that I couldn't really leave the house. <laughs> so, um, and I also, you know, all the shame and the hiding, and I didn't want people to know. So, um, yeah, so I stayed at home, and then I would be in self-pity because I was so lonely. And, and so when I first got sober, that was um, a real challenge for me, is to conquer that loneliness and... I guess that happens looking, um, you know, I guess coming to understand the self-pity, self-seeking and selfishness, um, which is part of my my nature, I guess. Um, but I use that surrendering as well. So I, again, imagine or do a visualisation that that I have someone around me or some sort of a presence around me that's, that's sitting with me if I am sitting, you know, for a long night at home by myself or... Um, and I just find so much comfort out of that and um, and release. So, um, okay, and how are we going for time? Okay, um, I guess just to, to finish on, I'd like to just finish on this. Um, one of the things I love and the program has taught me um, is the serenity prayer and um, to me the serenity prayer is all about step three um, and if I didn't get step three I couldn't have got through the other or continue to you know I guess take on the uh, challenges of the rest of the steps so um, I guess the serenity prayer is absolutely one of my favorites and it makes sense to me um, every time I think about the things I cannot change um, yeah, it just it kind of makes me laugh because I'm such a control freak that um, at first I was like, yeah, I can make things happen, I can change things, and um, but at the end of the day, the only thing I can really change is is what's inside me, and that will, I guess, then if the way I've experienced it is it, it changes things outside of me as well. So, um, so I just end on that serenity prayer. God grant me the serenity to accept the things. I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Um, thy will be done, not mine. Thanks for asking me to share. Information about the annual Melbourne AA Steps Weekend is available from www.stepsweekend.aagroup.org.au Thanks for letting me share.